Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And, and you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Snow the Goalie. Boy, oh boy, is there a lot to talk about this week. Nothing to talk about really on the ice, but oh boy, is there a lot of stuff to talk about off it. We're going to just get right into it. We'll save all of the uh, the superlatives and all the, the the this podcast, the that podcast, the Only Flyers podcast. You know the deal. Uh, let's start with the intros really quickly here. Anthony Sanfilippo, find him on Twitter, at Philly. How you doing, fella? I'm doing great, Russ. Uh, doing fantastic. Just sitting here um going through some of our uh, some of our reviews <laughs> that have Great. that have come in from the last few episodes um just kind of uh entertaining myself reading this stuff so uh i think after the last episode we might have to have like one of the old uh uh jimmy kimmel read the mean tweets kind of kind of situation coming up but uh, no, i'm doing good doing good uh looking forward to uh hockey being back tonight guys we saw hockey yeah. tonight wow we missed and it then on might- tuesday we missed it on Tuesday. <laughs> Let's keep. You might have heard that. Oh, we'll talk about it later on. <laughs> and then, of course, we oh. have the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Terry and Bundy. Find him on Twitter at Cterian Six. How are you doing, fella? I'm doing great, guys. Good to be back. I know last week, everybody will understand why we're laughing very shortly about uh, the, uh, the the game uh, getting canceled the other night. But um, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Good. Glad to be on, guys. Lots to talk about. Uh, you know, we're almost like getting into like the kind of like Flyers soap opera land again. We had a lot of soap operas, Anthony, with my teams in those late 90s, you know, with the what was going on then. And it was very soap opera she. But, boy, I tell you what, we got a little bit this week, and I'm looking forward to touching upon it. Good to see you guys. It's, yeah, it's, it's just, this is a flashback. It was, this was yeah. kind of a flashback. This is kind of old school week for yeah. us. Those of us who experienced those days back then, they're like, wow, wow, this is cool. We haven't had this in a while. The bold and the yeah. buttes. The uh, the young and the rested as the team should yeah. be after another cancellation. Yeah. Um, all right. We have to start off with the the number one story that's been going around in the last day or so. And that's uh, Bobby Clark, Flyers, great hockey hall of famer, um, appears on a podcast and just it's a long range podcast, but it, it's just like what happens with anything else. One clip has just gone absolutely viral. And it's something that we've talked about on this show for two years, a year and a half, long, long period of time. Uh, And that was the Flyers drafting of Nolan Patrick at number two overall. And I know that there are probably bound to be some people here who are going to get really upset because people still want to believe that for whatever reason, Nolan Patrick's going to turn into an all-star player and that the Flyers will rue the day that they ever sent him away. Um, But Bob Clark is the first notable major name, anyone affiliated with the Flyers to go public with the knowledge that the scouts did not want Nolan Patrick to be selected. Again, it's something that we've talked about even before Bunny was on the show. This is like, goes back to Ant and I, I feel like we did a deep dive on this sometime around when the pandemic first started, we were doing all those interviews throughout the summer. And I I think it came up then that might've been the first or second time. Um, But this idea that the flyers preferred Makar and we had previously talked about them liking Heiskanen as well. And that Pedersen's name had also been thrown out there. Um, Let's just get started with this. Were you guys surprised that Bob Clark went in on this the way that he did and that he effectively pulled back the curtain on the thought process 
in the war room that night? I'll go first and then I'll let, I'll let Bundy because Bundy's got a different relationship with Bob than, than I did. I've only, you know, ever known Bob as a reporter uh, subject kind of relationship. Um, I, was I surprised? I, I was surprised in the sense that it came out yesterday, but was I surprised that Bob, you know, had a moment where he just let it all out? No, not at all, because that's Bob. That's Bob. But sometimes when Bob gets talking, sometimes he just lets it fly and he doesn't care. He has no filter. Um, he catches himself. And it, it, like you pointed out, Russell, it was a very long interview. Starts with talking about his growing up in Flin Flon, putting skates on at three years old and whatever. And like it, it, it carried all the way through. And like they were an hour in, I think, by the time they even got to the part about Hextall um, uh, as the GM and, and this and the selection of Nolan Patrick. And, it, and then immediately thereafter, like he talks about it for like two, three minutes. And then he even says, I've probably said too much. He catches himself. And Bob's f good for that, too, when he's doing a public interview. He's had these interviews in the past where he said some things that have been considered inflammatory. And then he pulls back on it after, you know, after a minute. But, but that's just how he is. He he's he's just going to speak his mind sometimes. And it, there's not going to be any filter. And that's it. And so. In that vein, I'm not surprised. Bundy? Yeah, well, I think the thing that made me laugh was the people that think they actually know Bob Clark by talking about it was like a, it was an assignment by the team to make that, perhaps to take some pressure off. Like, where do these people come up with this crap? Seriously, it's crap. Uh, I've known Bob Clark since the summer of 1994. Uh, I, I, someone had told me that I think that I had played almost as many games for him as a general manager than most any other player. And that was, of course, with my tenure in Philly. So, but I, I'm going to tell you one thing right now. Our relationship was not a rosy one all the time. I mean, I, I think he appreciated the job I did on the ice and I was here for a while, but I'm going to tell you right now how I know that that was genuine because I've been on the other end of that stick as a player, you know, Clarkie every year or every uh, couple of years when the team needed uh, maybe just wasn't tuning into the coach as much. That's where the GM would come down, whether it was between periods uh, day after a game where it was, it was always very well conceived. Uh, what Clarkie was doing in it and intent. So I remember, I'll just give you one example. One day we, it was in that 12 game losing streak because it comes back. We were playing Dallas that night, which we ended up tying two, two. Uh, it was a very good point. It was a good point for us. And we worked hard. Uh, we slowly came out of it right after that game, as a matter of fact, but Clarkie came in the room. He had a hockey stick in his hand and he stood in the middle of the room in front of every guy. And he went around the room and it was like one guy. And I, and I mean, I, I'll, I'll put myself on the spot. <laughs> I was sitting next to Desjardins, right? In the stall and, I don't even think I was playing horrible. I was just, I was playing. I was mired with the team in that slump. And he looked at me at the stick and he goes, poor fucking Desjardins having to play with you every night. And I was like, <laughs> part of me, part of me kind of wanted to like, oh. And then at the same time, I wanted to kind of burst out laughing too. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and then I think he wanted to go to Desjardins. And he's like, now nah, I'll just pass on him and go to the next guy. Uh, you know, so he like, he goes on to the, it was kind of, it was very well orchestrated and right. it was to get guys attention you know like when the greatest flyer and one of the greatest leaders in sports is coming calling you out like that like i've been there at that point probably long enough where it wasn't the end of the world to me anyway but to some younger guy oh my god but clarky would clarky would always say what was on his mind and he, and he didn't um you know he didn't hold back from it that's how i know you know i mean if there's a player he doesn't like he's going to come out and say i don't like that player um the, the problem with so, – so here's the issue with the draft and, and, and probably from where people judge a draft. Somebody said, well, 
you know, the other day I said, well, most people knew this at the time. Like there was, so here's the issue when I go back to the Nolan Patrick draft. Can you define really quickly what, what constitutes as most people when you say most people knew, because that shit's been going around for the last few days. Like there, there are a lot of people who've just kind of like co-opted the narrative. Like there are people that, that Anthony and I know who, who do have sources who are, who are writers who very likely have heard this or had heard this at some point. And then there are just like a bunch of other people who like wouldn't know their ass from a hole in the ground who are just like, oh yeah, we all knew this guys. We all know, we know this, why is everybody upset? Why is everybody get freaking yeah. out about this? It's like, uh, well, no, cause you, you didn't know. So, can so you here, define, here's like, the who, one thing with Nolan Patrick. And again, I, you know, this guy may have a career in this league and, and again, maybe, so, you know, he's gone through some stuff. Um, but, but one of the things where they had a, a review of Nolan Patrick from the central scouting and, and some scout had put down, not sure how much he loves hockey. All right. And, and I, I haven't seen that, but I've heard that from enough valid sources where that was on the report. So if you're thinking that, like that to me was kind of like, well, that's, that's odd. I know that I, I'm thinking at the same time, I know what Hexy was thinking. Well, we got enough defensemen. Um, if you redid the draft right now, McCarr would be number one. Uh, Pedersen or Heiskanen would be two, two, three. Um, and then he, would probably fall in the four, right? If you redid it and Patrick would be, you know, wherever he wouldn't even be consideration at this point, but I think that's what, what people were saying. So here's what I know guys. I was still doing TV uh, at that time when the pick was made and, and I'm like, I'm, I'm stationed next to the coach's office, right? Like I'm in there, whether it's Dave Haxtall, Craig Baruby, whoever it was at the time, I'm right there. There was already a buzz going on amongst the players, coaches, even managers about how much, how much commitment Nolan had to, being a rookie on the team, it felt, I heard a lot of people saying it sounded like he had more of an entitlement issue coming in. Like, uh, you know, I come from this hockey family and, uh, you know, it's born in my blood. So I'm automatically going to be good. There was talk about that guys two, two months into his rookie season. I was hearing those rumblings already and seeing them to be quite honest with you, you know, the play transcends, you can't hide, you can hide all the other stuff, but ultimately you can't hide your numbers. You can't hide who you are on a roster. Um, so yes. So what happens is with Clarkie is that you can't, and, but you can't make that judgment right away. Right. Like you have to give the kid a chance to play and then say, is he worth the second pick? Was it, is, did it, did it pan out? The problem is now you've seen what McCarr, Heisken and those other guys have done. And so it's easy to really throw, uh, you know, throw shade at the whole situation. But I will say this, Bob Clark is a straight shooter. He probably says things that really irk people. I'm sure there's nobody in this world that he hasn't hated for at least one minute of his life. Um, he's a competitive guy. And I know one thing, he cares about the organization like Ed Snyder level cares about the organization. Clarkie does. He always will. He is the face of this organization. There'll never be a greater flyer than Bob Clark. There won't be. Because if you take all the things that it came with, you know, the juvenile diabetes, you know, uh, not, the, not the first pick in the draft, but he fought through everything in his life to become this competitive warrior, a guy that, I mean, he, he gave the city a facelift by that attitude, right? There's teams that did it. But Bob Clark and the Broad Street Bullies gave this city a mantra that they were able to call their own. Blue, no, uh, blue collar, hard nose, nasty, competitive, we'll fight you, we'll kick your ass, and we'll win Stanley Cups. That's what Clark is, and that's what he is to the Flyers, and that's why I have so much respect for him. But these people out there that think it was uh, like on order from somebody in upper management, first of all, they're not that smart. And uh, the second thing is you don't have to tell Bob Clark anything. He'll tell you. You don't need anybody to soften the blow with him. I've been on the end of it. I've seen the other end, like in terms of what he said. I'm telling you right now, this is just enough. This is par for the course for him. He would have said that to an entire press box, Anthony, if there were 10 guys listening yes, with no reporters. Yes, and everybody would. does. That's the thing with hockey. 
if you're guessing what's going on, you really don't know what's going on. That's probably the case for a lot of these other people that are guessing what's going on in the hockey world via their podcast or their, you know, the, the, the way they're doing it. I've stood right next to all these guys. I've been down there by the locker room right next to the door. I've heard everything the coach says walking up the hallway between periods. That's the real side of it. The other side of it's you guessing. The truth is that that's, that's what really goes on. And these are the things that go on. Everybody plays GM, guys. We play GM, right? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, we all thought, oh, let's trade this guy. Is he worth this? Is he worth that? You know, hopefully we get this pick. Whatever. The, the pick missed. It set it in a pick like, unfortunately, when you have a second pick, it's going to set the franchise back. When Bob Clark looks at it now, he thinks he doesn't think it, it's Nolan Patrick's fault. He blames the person that was responsible for the pick of making Nolan Patrick that. that and, and I think he blames him more so because the scouts wanted one of the defensemen. Yes. And that's if the, if the scouts, if the scouts had said Bundy, oh yeah, Nolan Patrick's the pick and Hexy makes that pick and it turns out to be a flop. He's not going to blame Hexy for that, for the pick because the scouts would have supported it. Right. You see what I'm, you see what I'm saying? Or he you, might, you're, you're, but, if, but the burden you doesn't fall to get on him the car, Right. You, when Hexy was here, if you're honest to God, guys, I'm not saying this, you, you probably would have been better off saying Nolan Patrick is absolutely the pick, Ron. Absolutely, we take Nolan Patrick. Then he would have taken Yeah, he would have gone the other way. That's kind of, and that's a little bit of the insight that some people saw here, and a lot of people will tell you that they they, they saw with him in charge here. Yeah, and, and just so we can break it down, Russ, just so, just so the fans and the people listening understand how, you know, when, when he says that these – this, this decision, plus a couple others maybe, um, by Hextall, really set the team back. Let's imagine just for a second, right, that you that you don't draft Nolan Patrick and you draft McCarr, right? Well, then guess what? You don't have to go this year. You're not, this past season, offseason, you're not doing all the, the hoop jumping that you're doing to try and get Ryan Ellis here because you got McCarr playing next to Provorov, right? Yep. And, and, and McCarr's your one and Provorov's your two, and it's probably a good top pair. Right. So you're not doing all that stuff. Meanwhile, by drafting Nolan Patrick and Nolan Patrick not working out, you now have to you come to the realization that shit, we don't have a number two center. We have to go out and sign a number two center. The best one that's available is Kevin Hayes and you overpay him and you give him a contract that's probably way too much for, for his talent level. Right. He's more of a probably more of a three C. You paid him as a two C. So now you have a contract that's that's really kind of hard to move you know, for, for a guy there. So, you know, those just in that vein alone, that one bad decision get forces Chuck Fletcher's hand down the line on two other decisions that aren't quite working out right now for the team, but that things they were things that he had to try to do because the pick went bad. Right. And then, and then, and then he points out, he says, there are two or three, and this was an interesting line that he said, there were two or three other first round picks who will never play. Well, we know one of them is Hermann Ruptoff. That's automatic. That that guy was which is a, the first which round is a pick. given. We've we've talked about right. this. We know that. He's 6 years ago. The guy ago has gotten more time being discussed on this and other podcasts than he's actually had at the NHL level. Right. And so, it probably so, so will be we, the, the truth for his we entire career. We know he's career. one. The other two, I'm assuming he says two or three. Probably Jay O'Brien. And Sam yeah, it's definitely it's de it's oh, definitely no, Moran was Homer. Moran no, it's was definitely Homer. Jay O'Brien, and then the other one is probably I think he's Morgan going Frost. Morgan Frost. Yeah, but that's what I, I would I think still he's going say. Frost. Like Frost is still. We, this is where we like get. I don't want to get sidetracked with this. Morgan Frost is still like one of those guys who's like still young enough that conceptually you could say, all right, like there is still a potential for him at some point to put it together. And I don't. 
even if you went into like the, the back half of this season and you were getting Morgan Frost playing time, or you go into next season and you say, let's just put him in as the three C and like, let's just roll with it because we kind of have an idea of where we're going to be at and like, let the kid get NHL reps and develop. Like, I think he can still, at least if nothing else, be an NHL caliber center. He needs to add to his frame, but he can be an NHL center. He's not going to be, I think he'll the, be better. The, I think he'll be better as a, I think he'll be better as a winger in all honesty. And, and if that's the case, then it's organizational malpractice again, all those years that they've spent, you know, kind of pigeonholing him into only being a center and not being willing to bring him up as a wing. I digress though. I, I don't think that one's fair. Jay O'Brien is absolutely fair. We have absolutely I mean, no he, intel. He's, playing, that he's suggests, playing well, but wait, he's yeah, playing but we have well no in intel college. that suggests that he's going to, I mean, there's not, is he blowing the doors off at that level, Anthony? Is no. he lighting, is he lighting that game ablaze? Like, is he standing out as a, a top two guy, a top three guy at that level? No. I mean, could he eventually maybe become an NHL caliber player? Maybe. Did they overthink that move in the draft? They did. And so, like, to me, that the thing that's more telling about it, and the, the part that also is just kind of like, there's no, there's no way that Clark goes into this interview with either a directive from somebody above him or with it in his mind that he's going to go light things on fire in that like Rupsov is a waste. We can just say that, but Jay O'Brien theoretically is still a player in the flyers organization, an active player who could theoretically at some point make the Philadelphia flyers or make his way up through the ranks with the Philadelphia flyers. And you now have somebody who is like a face of the franchise, somebody who is a, a guy who's been linked as an upper management guy coming out and pretty much saying this kid doesn't have it. That's that of all the things that came out was honestly the most shocking, at least from my standpoint, Nolan Patrick's not here anymore. Shit all over the guy. All he wanted, whatever. But like Jay O'Brien, who we don't actually know is going to be good or, or bad. We don't know. I mean, imagine being Jay O'Brien and you hear this, right? Imagine being Jay O'Brien and this clip is going around and then you go back and listen. Oh, I wonder if you mentioned anything else or like somebody does listen to it and Jay O'Brien's phone starts pinging with, Yo, man, is he talking about you? That sucks. And maybe it's the kind of motivation that somebody needs. I don't know, Jay O'Brien. Maybe he needs extrinsic motivation. If sure, if, if so, this sure should do it. And if not, I don't know. But it is pretty, I mean, it's kind of wild. You don't hear this kind of a, of a guy of an upper management or a face of a franchise, whatever, go out and like publicly call into question somebody who conceptually could eventually <laughs> progress into the organization. Safe, we need a safe space for him, Russ. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's just wild i actually no, it is. worse it for is. jay o'brien after this whole thing like going back and listening to it i'm like man yeah i mean at least he doesn't then, at least he doesn't say oh i'll tell you what though uh, yeah, jay o'brien jay o'brien's a real real piece of shit what an absolute waste of can <laughs> pick that was like at least he didn't well, that, do that then he then he says now granted again this was this is prompted by andy strickland not prompted by clark but Andy Strickland says, and by the way, we should mention the name of the podcast. It's the Cam and Strick podcast. Cam yeah. Jansen, Andy Strickland, based out of St. Louis. Good guy, yeah, yeah, good, good guys. Uh, and uh, Andy Strickland says, "Yeah, well, Hexy gave us Braden Shen, gave St. Louis Braden Shen, and 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 Clark says, yeah, he shouldn't have made that trade either. Now, I'm a I'm someone who disagrees with Bob on that, and have all along because I always thought Braden Shen was a good player, not great player." And you got two first round picks. If you hit on those two first round picks, you probably get something better, end up getting something better than what Braden Shen was. 
One of those picks was Joel Farabee. Okay, good. We like that. That's a good part of it. The other half is Morgan Frost. So the question now becomes, you know, when you look at it, Shen for Frost and Farabee, is it a, is it a good deal? I mean, yeah, Yuri Laterra was in there too. I know your favorite player, Russ. Um, he was a part of that. Scandinavian Scarface, baby. Scandinavian Scarface. You know, <laughs> but uh, but no, but seriously, I mean, so Bob doesn't think it's a good trade. So what does it, so to me that also tells me that ties into when he says two or three first rounders who aren't going to play. Um, and then he says the Shen trade was bad, but we know Farabee's a, a player. We know he's a good player. Frost is the other part of that trade. I think he's referencing Morgan Frost. I really do. I think ultimately yeah. Shen wouldn't have helped this team in a meaningful way that would have raised this team's ceiling exponentially. Could it have theoretically helped them in the short term? Maybe. Long term, there's a case to be made that Farabee could end up being a better contributor for this team. And if Frost were to even prove to be like a two or three C at the NHL level and could contribute, then like you can make the argument. I mean, this is kind of like, you could even go back to the Mike Richards trade, right? And you think about that deal and, and what that brought with it, um, which actually happened to be Shane, Shen, right? And uh, Wayne Simmons. Simmons. And, and, and you think about it and it's like, well, did Simmons give you more than Richards would have? And like, if you had kept Shen, would he have given you more? Would he and Simmons to go? You kind of go by the sum of the parts versus that one player specifically. Um, th- here's and then, and then the go final ahead. thing that Clark says, the final thing, which was, this is where he st- started to stop himself. And I decided to look, kind of look into it a little bit is he said, we, the Flyers had a chance. Hexall could have traded for Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, when he was on Buffalo mm-hmm. and I, and he didn't, he stopped, stopped himself talking about what was part of the deal. But I've, you know, since then asked around and it was, I was told it was Travis Sanheim at the time was the key piece. There might've been other parts to it, but Sanheim was the key piece and Hextall did not want to get rid of, get rid of Sanheim as part of a deal for Ryan O'Reilly. And makes you wonder, would you looking at those two players now, would you rather have Ryan O'Reilly or would you rather have Travis Sanders? You know what, guys, too? The one thing we're missing, too, in a lot of this, like Ryan O'Reilly was in Buffalo, and I liked him. I've always liked him, even in Colorado when he was here. Yeah. And the same thing for Braden Shen, right? So they those guys, when Chief took a hold of those guys in St. Louis, he coached them up like they'd never been coached up in their life, right? And he made them. So you have to factor that in as well to Good a point. guy's development and how he performs. Good I mean, point. O'Reilly went there. He won the Conn Smythe, uh, the Stanley Cup. And um, he won the the, um, the best defensive player, the Selkie Award that year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Braden Shen, like, there was games in the playoffs. He couldn't be stopped. Yeah. That was Chief. That's Chief's coaching and, and him bringing those guys together. So that's a part of it. I mean, you could have bluffed Shen here. You could have brought Ryan O'Reilly here. And if you had some guy, you know, was coaching him like, uh, you know, he was a 12, you know, 14-year-old Bantam player, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get to the promised land with the same set of skill and, and, and compete level. And that's the, other, that's the other thing that's not in the clip. But if you go back and listen to the whole interview with Clark, he talks about Baruby and said, Hexy never should have fired Baruby. No. <laughs> he shouldn't have. And he, he never gave a reason. Too. Right. Yeah, he says that too. So, I mean, but you're right. So, I mean, that's a good point, buddy, that, that it may be that those players are the kind of players that need to be coached the right way. You know what? In, in, order, to do, in order to be the players that they have become. Go back and find out the end of the year, the year the Flyers missed the playoffs with Chiefs last year when Hexy had come in and took over that year. Yeah. If you read the end of the year quotes by players, 
they all, almost everybody said, she's probably the best coach I've ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. As soon as I heard that, I knew we'd be fired within a couple of days. I was hundred percent certain of it. Because Ron wanted his own stamp on things, right? Yeah, and I almost felt like if the guys would have said, oh, man, we had a really tough year with the coach, he would have been hired again. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess this yeah, kind so of comes back around to, you know, part of, I think, what, what has happened this past week, these last few days, is we've seen what it looks like when there's information that's presented and there's, like, misinformation that's presented. And it just, like, from my vantage point, like I will openly admit the fact that like, and you and I talked last week, we were arguing about something that I don't remember. It was something to do with the team and it was something to do with the organization. And I said, it doesn't matter. Like in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter, you know, because the fact is that when you're covering a team, you are limited or affected in a way by the outlet that you write for or the network that you're associated with. Like Bundy here. When he was on NBC Sports Philly, there were things that he could say and things he couldn't say. There are things that you and I, Ant, can say. Well, I mean, we say pretty much whatever the hell we want. But because we're associated with Crossing Broad, and Crossing Broad, you know, used to be run by Kyle Scott, who wrote all of the things for the site and ran things that were like sometimes sensationalist and kind of witty and quippy and, you know, radio wars and all that. There are people who still like go into it with the mentality that, that that's what the site is. And like, that's just indicative of somebody who hasn't been paying attention for the last like four or five years. Like that's not what the site is. He doesn't write anything anymore. In case you missed it, the site got acquired for millions of dollars by a multinational company. So like, I think he's doing okay. And I think everybody who's on the team is okay. But we're all kind of limited because your, your audience ultimately, or your potential audience is limited by what your outlet is. The issue that, that I think we ran into, and we've seen it this season, we've seen it before, we'll probably continue to see it, is that like, there's this like active decision being made by some people that have like decent followings to just shit on everything that you do or that I do or that Bundy says because they just don't like the outlet that we're associated with. And like don't cite things that have been written or reported or said on this podcast or have been written on Crossing Broad because they just don't like Crossing Broad or they don't like Kyle or they don't like whoever. And so it's just like, at some point, Last week, I said, like, none of this matters because we will continue to, like, beat the drum, pound the drum on the things that, like, we know are true. And, like, eventually it'll come out that, like, we were right and it'll be great and we'll feel good about it. But ultimately, like, all of the ass clowns who have been, like, going around just, like, actively trying to just, I don't know, berate us or to kind of put down the things that we've been doing to deride us, like, nothing's going to change. I go back to, like, what happened at the beginning of the season. Riley Cote for no reason. And we, we've met Riley before we had Riley on the show before. He seems totally, fine. I have a relationship with a guy. Riley right? was a teammate like, of mine. He's a great friend of mine. A great a good guy. guy. Good guy. And he's yeah. like, for, for some reason, like Anthony puts out in the beginning of the year that Sam Moran suffered a devastating knee injury and that he felt bad for him. And then Riley came out and like, did the, he did the quote tweet that had the image of a text with Moran who pretty much said like, it's no big deal. Right. And so there were like, I think a few thousand people that engaged with the tweet, either retweeted it, quote tweeted it, liked it, whatever. And then there was this like active campaign of people like, and I, I put it out on the Snow the Goalie Twitter account, where it's people saying, oh, look at that crossing broad, stretching the truth again for clicks. Oh, I'm not surprised. Anthony does this kind of shit all the time. And it's just like again and again and again. Well, guess what happened? Sam Moran 
isn't going to play this season, or it doesn't sound like he's going to. Mike Yo said it this past week. Did the 1,500 people or the 2,000 people or the 3,000 people who shit on Anthony and cross and broad everything else, did they come out and issue any kind of an apology? Of course they didn't. But in the moment, it's fun to just kind of pile on. But like ultimately, Anthony was right. The kid suffered a knee injury. He's probably not going to play this year. His NHL career is in jeopardy. And like, it is what it is. We talked about this thing with Nolan Patrick. We've talked about it for two years. Did we ever get any kind of a, a reference with that, Ant? No, never came no. out. What we got was revisionist history along the way where people said, well, you know, we've been aware of this for a while. Bullshit. You didn't fucking know. Because if you did, you would have done your job and reported it. You would have done your job and you would have talked about it. Because for some of these people who don't actually write and who don't actually do things, and I say this as somebody who's like totally transitioned into sports betting. I'm not doing this anymore. It's still, and I'm just here for the good looks and boyish charm. But like, ultimately, some of these people just like talk, they tweet, they do whatever. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And so they just throw this stuff out. And the problem is when you have a big enough social media following, people start to think that you know what you're talking about. And they don't. And it's whatever. Like, honestly, in the grand scheme of things, if somebody wants to continue to buy into the bullshit that somebody keeps shoveling to them, you can do it. I, I guess you can. But like, when they don't fucking know what they're talking about, and they continue to just put up their bullshit, meandering, ponderings, whatever and try to elevate it to the level of somebody who actually knows what the hell they're doing, who sources their material, who goes and does double, triple sourcing, which pisses me off because there are times where I'm like, Ant, why don't you just go with this? Like, we know it's a good source. It's a good thing. Just go with it. No, Anthony goes and double, triple sources. And then it comes out. They can't be bothered to, to send us a, a link. There's no reference. The only person who has, and I will give him a shout now, is Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic, now The New York Times, The Athletic, who said last week, or a few days ago in a post that Snow the Goal and Crossing Broad have been an open war with the business side of the Flyers organization. And it was a whole thing about the Ed Snyder thing, the Ed Snyder birthday thing. He's the only one. And it's, it's infuriating to me that like, there are so many things that we've either had, we've had first, we've been correct about. And some of these people just, to them, it doesn't matter. They feel so comfortable and so confident sitting behind their keyboards, their microphones, and just actively shit all over everything. And they, they present nothing. They add nothing to the conversation. They add nothing of value in actually advancing things forward. And I'm just kind of like, this is dumb. It's all just dumb. All right, you're holding no, it up. I, I would just like-, like right, the, yeah, I thought you were gonna go scorched earth, Russ. Can I just, I just wanna fill everybody in, all right? Whatever reporters spend two days trying to find out whatever's going on, I just want everyone to know I can find out that same information in the 90 seconds. Yeah. That's the truth. We can. I can make one phone call. I knew what Moran's injury was, guys. We I remember I, we talked about it. I'll never give names. It didn't, it didn't, you would never know who I got the info from, but we were certain and positive immediately that the guy had a pretty serious injury. Yeah. We're hoping it would be eight weeks, but we were spot on. I don't care who doubts me or not. Any information I'm going to put out on Twitter is going to probably be pretty, you know, I'm going to be certain about it. And sometimes I got news for you. When a guy's injured, this is a part that I love, right? Like I've, I've always kind of like it, where it pissed me off with Twitter was, or, or anything for that matter is, you know, they want to get these stories out there so fast, right? And it's like, who's injured? Sometimes, you know what? Just stay away from the guy's hurt. The injury, when, when the injury is announced, it'll be announced and that's it. But everybody wants to jump on these injuries. Like it's the end of the world. Uh, the, you know what? It's wrong. It's, it's, um, 
and that, but that is Twitter. You're not going to get an apology. You just have to know when you go on there and you put your story out that you're right. You're telling the truth and that you're trying to do the people that follow you uh, justice by giving them the right story and what it's meaningful for. And I think there's things that we've seen. The problem is when we do the, not the problem, but the, the issue is when we do these things about the past of the flyers, it translates to a lot of the fan base, right? With Snyder's birthday. I mean, these are things people cared about, especially the flyers fan base. So mm-hmm. Again, I, I don't, uh, but I agree with you, Russ. I, I kind of like your letter. Read it. New York Times bought the athletic, huh? Yeah, it did. They did, yeah. yeah especially after the game. Here's the crazy the thing they bought it for $550 million, but they could have just clicked on a promo link and gotten it for a dollar a month for the next six months. <laughs> that was, seems like an overpay on my part. Espe- especially after the founders of the athletic said that they were going to put every uh, newspaper they were out. They're going to bleed every news outlet dry yeah. until there was nothing left. <laughs> there and was then nothing they left. They burned, what was it? It was a $90 million burn rate a year. As yeah. they kept trying to yeah. expand, and they somehow convinced the New York Times to buy it for five fifty. There are good people who write over there, by the way. There are across there a number are. of sports. A lot of people. Um, like we're, I'm I'm happy for those people because they it, probably, j- in some way, might have actually had their jobs saved by this. Yeah, by this, oh, no, by no, no doubt about it. I just didn't know about the sale. Yeah, I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, um, j- just to put a little bow on this, Russ. Um, I actually made an I made an appearance on a couple podcasts this week, but um, uh, I was on. <laughs> I guess everybody was everyone to talk to me after all this news cap happened the last couple of days. Um, but like I was on the, the one that came out to, earlier today was uh, the orange and back check uh, podcast. And they asked me directly, like, you know, w- you know, w- how do you feel when this kind of stuff happens? And, and I am, I'm going to say the same thing here that I said to them. It doesn't bother me. Right. Like I, nothing's going to change. Like I, I'm going to continue to do what I do and continue to, to post the stories that I post and post the news that I have and the news that I know. And I said to them, I said, I, I've been covering this team for two decades. I'm on Twitter. I got, I don't know, I think I have like 16 and a half thousand followers. I, the max I think I've had was 20. Uh, so I'm going to be somewhere between 15 and 20 my entire life. I'm never going to grow beyond that. I mean, that's what I have. And that's, that's who follows me. And that's fine. So the point is, is that I'm not out there trying to make a name for myself. After 22 years, like if, if you don't know that I cover the flyers by this point, all right, you don't know. I mean, and there's nothing I can do about that. But so like, um, I have no other agenda to putting news out. And so therefore I'm going to keep doing what I do because it's my job. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. If you like it, great. If you don't, that's fine too. But that doesn't like, I'm not going to let it affect me. Um, and I'm glad I have, you know, a hype guy like you to go, you know, burn down every other relationship that we're going to ever have with other people in this business. <laughs> you know what the shitty thing okay. is that I didn't go scorched earth. Here's the problem. I, we are always tagged in tweets always. And so the goal is always tagged in tweets. And there are people who say, why is there an open war between like snow, the goalie and another podcast? I made, I made an attempt on two different occasions to reach out to two people who I think are rational about can we please just move on? Can we stop the pot shots? Can we stop shitting on each other? We usually tend to be direct if we think that somebody's ridiculous. And some other people tend to go very passive. But like, can we just stop? Like, I'm not interested anymore. Like, I just think it's dumb. Again, this is hockey. It's the Flyers. The team sucks. It is what it is. We could just like be done. Made the effort. Did it matter? No, it didn't. And it continued. And so I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I would rather get along. I typically, by character, by trait, I like to just get along with people and have like a decent relationship and cross promote and things are great. 
for some reason, like there are some people who aren't interested in that. And it kind of is what it is at this point. But like, here's the final example I will give. There was a time where Dave Isaac and Anthony, I think, had some kind of beef where there was like some kind of long running something. And like, I thought Dave Isaac was a good guy. I thought he did a good job covering the team. I tried to make an effort to like smooth things over or to at least like make things less icy because I sat between the two of them. You know what happened? Things were fine. We had Dave Isaac on the podcast after he got let go. We promoted him because we thought that like he did such a good job that he deserved another opportunity at any other outlet. They'd be lucky to have him. Like we try to do these things. And like, to me, it's just frustrating. Like at this point, it's just like, you can make an effort to try to mend fences with people. You can try to, you know, go with the idea of like a, a high tide raises all boats. And like, I'm all in on it. Jason Martinez tagged us in the tweet about doing the Flyers podcast roundtable. And I look at it and like, there are a bunch of different people who have had you and I on different podcasts, have Bunny on different podcasts. And like, I think we'll probably do it. I don't see why not. We have a good relationship with practically every Flyers podcast in the city, except for one who just for some reason decides to keep this nonsense up. I, I don't want to, I'm just not interested in it. So I don't even know who you're talking doing- about, to be honest with you. So I don't really care either. So I, I seriously, I, I just yeah. like you have one Jason, I, you know, it's funny, me and Bill Meltzer, when they, we first started five years ago, they actually said to us, Hey, can you guys come up with a podcast? Me and Meltzer created the Flyers podcast before they canned me last year. Jason's a great friend. I've done, done stuff. Now he used to have me on all the time. They must've said get rid of him, no more Bundy on there, but whatever, it's all good. But I'm with you on that. Like, yeah, they're good people. Like I love Jason. I, you know, Bill Meltzer, same thing. They're, they're good guys. They've been, they've been, uh, a big part of my broadcasting career, you know? So again, I, there's no need for anybody well, to, we have different, we have varying opinions and but right. I'm telling you, it's not sensationalized bullshit. It's right. real stuff. I don't have, I have other things to do in my life. I spend time helping people with addiction issues in my real time, alcohol. The last thing I'm going to do is come on here and spew shit on a podcast for no good reason. I care deeply about this franchise. It's looked like a clown show for the last few years. And it still does, and it, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. But I still want to support it. I still want good things to happen for it. There's nothing I'd love more than seeing two million people on Broad Street for a parade, and that's what we're all, yeah. you know, especially as a former player, that's what I want. Yeah, I mean, and you're right, buddy. And I and I've said this a million times. I'll say it one last time. As a, as a as a writer, there is nothing better for a reporter of a of a, of a beat reporter than the team being good. There's mm-hmm. nothing better. Okay, it's it's it makes life easy for everybody. The players are willing to talk. The coaches are willing to talk. The writers get to write good stories. It's the the fan base is engaged. Everybody's all all in together. It's a lot of fun. It's really, really a lot of fun. When 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 this team has gone on runs, 2010, 2004, 2000. Those were the three that I mean, 2008, I guess, too. They went to conference final. Um, Those were the four in my tenure. Um, that I got to cover. I was, it, I didn't start with 97. 97 was just before my time um, as, a, as a reporter. But those four seasons, those four runs were the best times covering this team. It was the best times covering hockey. I hate, I don't like covering a bad team. It sucks. Same it with sucks. broadcasting. Same yeah. with broadcasting. Yeah. That's and that's, and like, listen, that's the other thing too. Like, this is where I come back to like this conversation with Ant last week where I said like, nothing matters. None of it matters. Is like, we, Charlie O'Connor says that we're at open war with the business side. I don't know if I'd say we're at open war. I would say that like the battle lines had been drawn at some point, but it's done. 
the Flyers at some point early in the year decided to like try to have somebody, I, I guess, befriend us or like work with us, like try to smooth things over. And I thought we treated the person well. And like, I thought things were fine. And then like, we had a few moments on this show where we were critical of, you know, somebody from the business side and, you know, Bundy didn't like the ownership and, and, you know, kind of like went on a rant and that, that went really big. And I think that those people think that we want to be in like an active dispute and battle with them. I don't have interest in it. I genuinely don't care. I just think that like, at some point it's like, you can control, if you, if you as an organization, if your goal is to just control the media narrative, you can do that. I just don't think it's a good thing. Like we wouldn't no. like this in politics if a, if the White House man. were trying to we're trying to we're trying to just control the narrative around you know the 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 national political scene, right? It's the same way with the hockey team. The the problem is that like a lot of people, and by the way, I don't fault a lot of people who are on press row. Going after people for like bad business practice or for like unforced errors, it doesn't behoove them. And like, I think a lot of people are just afraid that their credential is going to get revoked or that their access is going to be limited. And like, that's a bummer for them and they don't do it. And that's fine. And for some people, they would rather just write about the on ice product. I think that we can like sufficiently cover the on ice product and then at the same time hold people's feet to the fire if they do a bad thing. Like, for example, Kevin Kincaid, who covers the Sixers for Crossing Broad. He's been like, I think he's was one of the people who were kind of like touching on the subject of like the Sixers partnered with like a crypto company. And then they didn't actually know if the CEO was real. Like it was a whole big thing. Well, the Sixers media felt okay enough about saying this is weird. And this is also probably wrong. And when Daryl Morey, the current president of basketball operations was with the Rockets and said something that like pissed off China and like caused a, an international incident with the NBA, the, the media in Houston felt like they could write about it and say this was not okay. And like the way the organization handled it wasn't okay. And like nobody was afraid to do that. I do think that there's like some kind of inherent fear here. And I just, I don't totally understand. I, I don't get it. I'm lucky in that like my livelihood is not directly tied to the Flyers or to their success or failure. What I will say is like, if the team were good, if the team were actively doing a good job on the ice, a lot of the things that happen off the ice wouldn't make the news. Like the Ed Snyder birthday thing wouldn't have been a newsworthy item. We thought it was weird because the Flyers played a home game on the on his birthday. And that like during the game, it was a nationally televised game. They didn't like shine a spotlight on the banner or they didn't say like, hey, this dude founded the team. And I saw a lot of people who like who kind of go with like the snarky Twitter route of like, oh, guy, here we go again. The old people are pissed off. And it's like, well, no, we can look at this from a rational standpoint, right? Very few owners in North American sports history are as synonymous with the team they founded than Ed Snyder. And it doesn't just have to be founded. Like some owners transcend what a typical owner role is with their team. George Steinbrenner with the Yankees. Al Davis, Al Davis Al with Davis. the Raiders. Yes. Yep. Ed Snyder with the Flyers. Yes. It, and and I, it depends on how long he does it. But Mark Cuban is like the most visible owner in the NBA. And so he, in some way, will probably go down in a similar way. So, like, it's not crazy to be like, hey, this is weird. Like, why on the day that a home game is played, like, why wouldn't you do that? Or, like, it was the Snyder, it was uh, Snyder Hockey, right? Said that they were going to be celebrating his yes. birthday. All it takes a retweet. Seriously, a retweet. That's it. Like, that's it. It takes five it seconds take to say it's our founder's it, birthday. 
even even less like, it's it's not it's not a huge deal and like we brought it up because it was weird or we perceived it as weird and there were a lot of people who agreed with us and thought like yeah that is strange and i did see that there were some people who are like well the flyers haven't tweeted about it in five years okay that's fine we noticed but, it this and, year. and they put why a, did we notice it they, maybe we noticed it in fact because one the team was playing at home it was a nationally televised game and two, the team sucks and it's hard to like actually evaluate anything they're doing. And then you go, wow, this is weird. And then somebody brings it up to you, oh, it's Snyder's birthday. And you go, oh, that is weird. Why didn't they do anything? Yeah. I'm, but, ah. but Russ, what about, what about the affiliation between Snyder Hockey and the Flyers? See, that's where they got us, right? Because the same people that run the Flyers run Snyder Hockey. Don't be ignorant. Don't try to hide away on it because that's, they're, they're affiliated together, right? Anthony, it all involves hockey in a lot of different ways. So, Again, that's the problem, and that's the visible part that we saw. Oh, you're going to wish him, wish him a happy birthday on the Snyder Hawk, which, of course, is a wonderful legacy and an amazing thing for Philadelphia. But it's just as easy to go over and happy 89th birthday to our founder, Ed Snyder. That's you're it. You're going to have to do – like, honestly, if you think it's weird to, like, wish somebody who's passed away a happy birthday, right, it could just as easily be remembering our founder on what would that's have it. been that's it. his 89th yeah. birthday. Yes. Or, like, we're remembering our founder today. Like – I'm not saying they needed to have like a, a statue. I'm not saying they needed to have like a pregame ceremony. They need to make it Ed Snyder bobblehead giveaway night. Like none of that. It's just like, I don't, I didn't think that that was going to blow up into this big old, you know, shit storm on Twitter. Like it did, but like the fact that it did. And I even noted like two or three days later, I was still in threads where people were arguing about it. And this is the real issue, right? If you're listening and you're like one of those top people at the flyers who get upset with us, the reason that like it's a big deal is that three days later, people were still arguing about it. If the team were good, if things were being executed well across the board, the number of people who would have cared or would have had as immediate of a reaction or as strong of a reaction on either side wouldn't have been there. The problem is that so many things have gone wrong, both on and off the ice for the organization, that it, it becomes, it's a snowball effect. And that's what you're seeing. I don't think that means we have to be an open war. I don't think it means that we have to be in like some kind of uncomfortable situation where like we go down to a game, really mostly Anthony goes down to a game and it's just like a weird kind of feeling that didn't used to be that. Like, I, I don't know. I don't get it. It is what it is. Well, I, I just, I, I also I do want to, not, not that I want to fan any further flame, but um, I do want to point it. out. No, no, no. But I, I do want to point out, I, I looked into this. I looked into this. I just want, Hey, we want accuracy. I looked into this and there was a lot of talk that they haven't done anything for five years. And I went back and looked the last time that they had a home game was, was during uh, Sean Tilger's uh, uh, he was still the, the chief business officer for the flyers. And there was a mention of uh, remembering Ed in the stadium. It wasn't done on Twitter, um, but there was an in arena moment at the game. It was against St. Louis uh, in 2018 as a matter of fact, I think it was the game that led to – was that the game that led to the Blues going on to the, the run that they went on when they were yeah. in last place and came it here? Jan- it was early January. Yeah, it was – so I, I pretty much th- – I think that's what it was. I think it was that game, as a matter of fact. Um, and uh, Sean was still still running the show uh, at that time. And, you know, I checked in with a few people, and there was a brief mention – but it was up on the board for a few seconds in the building um, that day. So, so to sit there and say that it wasn't done in the last five years is also a little bit misleading because there was a mention. And this was the first time that they've had a home game since then. 
or any game for that matter. They haven't played on January 6th since 2018. So that's that, that, that kind of correlates to it. Right. That's interesting. Guys, I had, I had, I, I know we were switching gears and we, I know Anthony, you're up against it a little bit too, yep. as I am, but I, I actually, guys, I didn't know if you knew this. I was tasked by the league today. The NHL actually called me this morning. Oh yeah. Do the, yeah. The daily <laughs> cancellation. So they sent me, so what they're doing is they have a, a really unique new way of the, how the league is handling COVID protocol Okay. And that will ensure everybody's safety. So Gary and Bill called me this morning. They said, Bundy, would you be able to, to happen to, you know, do our daily cancellation? So I said, sure. How do I do it? They said, just go to your mailbox. It'll be there. So I went out this morning and I found this hat. <laughs> it was in the mailbox. And tonight is a list of all the games that are being played in the National Hockey League. So what it says here on the, the list is just please pick out the two games that come across and let us know what they are. And we'll cancel them before four o'clock today. So I'm going to do the first one here, guys. <laughs> They're canceling Vancouver and Tampa Bay will be canceled. And the other game, Pittsburgh and the Los Angeles Kings are canceled. Oh. Also. We'll be rescheduled at both different times. <laughs> so there you have it today. All done. Flyers game is on at Boston. The return of Tuka Rask tells you what Boston thinks of the Flyers. They have a guy yeah. close to playing in Providence. So... Yeah, it's amazing. So two cancellations only today, guys. Hey, thanks and for doing, what an honor thanks for doing uh, the the Batman's work. That's really what yes. this is all about. It's yeah. it's fascinating to me. In all in all honesty, and I know we're going to wrap this up here, but it's fascinating to me that we went through what we went through last week with the league when the Flyers had six players in protocol and had a field an AHL lineup against a team on a nine-game winning streak like the Penguins. Okay, who were almost a full almost full themselves. If you just take Malkin, I think, and Carter was out. Um, and this week they have, well, on Tuesday, I guess they still technically had five guys in the protocol, although it had, I was told that two of them came out that night. So you would have only had three in protocol and the league canceled the game against Carolina. One was on ESPN. The other one was not. One was have to have Crosby in it. The other one, one yeah. Was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ESPN wanted to promote. I mean, they, they were trying to get people to sign up for ESPN Plus. You know, you're looking for the game, right? You're trying to find game, can't find it. How do I find it? Oh, that's what do I have to do? I have to sign up for this. Oh, it's four ninety five. I'm all right. Yeah, I'll pay that five bucks. I'm gonna watch the game. Bang, they got their money. That's why it was that Flyers Penguins game was on, and the one against Carolina was not. But yes, you're right, Bundy. They play Boston tonight. Um, uh, not that it matters too much, but I mean, this is, this is a, if, if you have any, any hope of them coming back and getting into that final playoff it's, spot, it's they tonight. have to win. They have to win tonight. Yeah. Um, they're, they're nine points behind Boston. Um, you can't get 11 points back with Boston having two games to go winning the season series. Boston would have won two out of three. That's a tiebreaker nowadays. So, I mean, you can't, you can't have that happen. Um, you, you, the flyers have to win this game tonight. So this is, this is a, as big a this is a as much of a must win game as you can have yeah, in January thirteenth, right? Yeah. I agree. I agree with you. Yeah. So, so. well guys and only only wrist aligning is the only well, one. Are out, we right? missing one more? Are we missing one more topic? Did we get to everything? I felt like yeah, we, we had did. one more. No, we got we did. Okay. I think we did. I think we did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Well, here's a question. I mean, here's the problem. I asked for questions on Twitter and then we ran out of time before we could answer a lot of them. But one question that did come up is, and I think it came up a few times, is uh, Giroux at this point. Yeah. yeah. The, the idea is out there and has been out there. And Elliot Friedman, I believe, had even openly posited 
that there's a chance the Flyers could look to move Claude Giroux before the trade deadline. Given where the team's at right now, given the schedule they have coming up, given the issues that have existed with COVID and with other injuries, um, what percentage chance do you guys give Giroux being moved prior to the deadline? And, and how does that compare to where it was in the beginning of the season? Well, if he wants a chance to win, I mean, he's going to give him an, a, a team. I mean, the weirdest one, remember, Anthony, I'm going back probably uh, maybe a little less than 20 years. Remember Matt Sundin didn't waive his trade? He wanted to stay yeah, in Toronto. He wanted to stay in Toronto, yeah. It was really kind of odd in a sense that it's like, why? I mean, I understand your, your loyalty to the, you know, the, to the situation you'd been in and all that. But, I mean, we're here to try to win a Stanley Cup. Every player that comes in, I mean – that's the dream, right? That's what we all have. I mean, it would be great if he stayed, I, I guess, but at the same time, it's like, don't you want to win a Stanley Cup? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to say, if you ask for a percentage, Russ, I'm going to say we're probably at this point, right now, I say you're probably at 65% that he goes and that if it continues to be like loss after loss after loss, that number will continue to go yeah. up. Um, and I think that, I think that Drew is come to the realization and it's why he's like kind of refused to talk about it, but I think he's come to the realization that this team's not close. Um, and and I, don't, I don't mean just this team this season, but that they're f- far behind over the course of the next couple of years, far enough behind over the course of the next couple of years that if he wants to win the Stanley cup, he's going to have to go, he's going to have to be a mercenary and go somewhere else. He, could he, could he be the kind of guy who maybe, you know, does what some players have done in the past and come back at the end, maybe give you a last season here. Mike Knubel did it, if you remember, like he came back for a year. Not that he was a great, you know, Flyers player, but I'm just saying like players do come back for that last season or whatever um, uh, here. Uh, he could, could he do something like that down the road? Maybe, but I think he's going to go try and chase the cup somewhere else. I think he realizes it has to happen somewhere else and not here. If that there makes sense. No, it does. Other than that, I I love everybody. Have a great (laughs) day. Really quick before we go, we did not get a five-star review this week. We got two one-star reviews, which we don't read on the show. Um, I know. Actually, we did get get a five-star review, Russ. It It was a Lacey five-star. No, 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 no. There is one that came in under a December date, but came in this came in within the last couple of days. It's weird. Like, I don't know. It's, it's in between the January ones. What's I'll read name? it if I have to. No, uh, I'll tell name? you the name. I'll tell you. Uh, NK underscore 30. No, we read this. We did read this. We did. We read this. Yep. The okay. only honest flyers podcast. We read it. We sure did. Okay. All right. We sure did. That's it's, just it's your... sitting, but it's sitting between my, it's not two. Well, it might be, it might be in your app, but it's not in okay. the, uh, my podcast reviews thing that we, uh, we like to use. All right. We had somebody who was upset with our conversation about the COVID protocol last week. And somebody else who just said that we're diarrhea or was just maybe the person was sitting on the toilet and had diarrhea. I don't know. Maybe they were like <laughs> filling in a, a symptom check to go get a COVID test uh, really quick. Carter Hart last week said that the league protocol is a joke. And then it came out. Was it Provorov was Provorov asymptomatic. Followed up. Yeah. Yeah. And he said something to that um, to that extent again as well. Uh, it seems like the growing sentiment is that they need to stop testing asymptomatic players, or at least that's what it seems like a lot of the players feel. Um, We'll see. It's just that seeing daily cancellations of games, like 
the league is going to keep pushing through. If they're lucky for, if there's one thing that the league can be thankful for, it's that they had already built in that window for the Olympics. And now that'll just end up being a weird rescheduling time or could theoretically be like a nice two, three week window where they could start to reschedule a lot of these postponed games. But it, it is a mess. It hasn't gotten better. We'll see if by the time we record again next week, if it gets any better. Um, I think that's probably a good place to stop, guys. Would, would, would you be surprised if they, uh, at least here in the beginning of February, because of the the COVID spikes, even though they're going to start to go down here, it looks like we've, we, I think we hit our peak yesterday, from what I understand. Um, if you're going by the, the curves that uh, where Omicron was prior to the United States, um, that uh, would, would it surprise you if maybe they did like a, you know, hey, we're going to play a bunch of these games and we're going to play them on one venue. And have like teams all tr- like like a like not like a bubble per se because they'll probably let fans in, but but at least bring everybody to the same. Like we're gonna bring these ten teams to this venue because we know we can schedule, we can make up a number of the games because they're playing against each other, kind of thing. You as know opposed what? to making teams travel all across the country. Has that has that been suggested, Anthony? I kind of heard a little bit of a rumbling of it. I haven't. That's, I haven't that's, seen a, that's that. a great. That's a great idea. Yeah, it's I haven't seen idea. it. I haven't seen it publicly come out yet. I, I was thinking that maybe you know you might see it like a one place in Canada, one like Vegas, and then one or maybe play, one yeah, play in like Florida. Four games a day. Start them at noon or something. And yeah, play them all and just and just we, and just play them. We talked about this back around the original bubble, but like imagine if you did put into place something where it's like twelve o'clock through ten o'clock, or twelve o'clock through whatever, and, and that. And that's just how it worked. Now, obviously, there'd be a lot of health and safety concerns because you'd have the, the question of the air and the air sitting and like people being in there six or eight hours into the, the day. But it could be a really interesting thing. Boy, if there's one way to stick it to NBC, it would be to run that counter programming to the Olympics, because there are already so many people who are anti this Olympic Games anyway, that you could theoretically stick it to your to your old TV partner, NBC. Woo! Yeah. That would be interesting. interesting. Very interesting. So, all right. We threw that out there. Something that you want. Yeah. Good stuff, boys. Thanks for listening to Snow the Goalie. Make sure you subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. We're pretty much everywhere. If you didn't know already, you can go on to Spotify. We've seen a big uptick in Spotify listens. If you go to the Snow the Goalie page on Spotify, below the the graphic, below the image, the logo for the show, there's a little star area. You can click there and you can leave a five-star rating. You can't leave a review yet, but the rating is great. Bump us up a bit. We greatly appreciate it. And of course, over on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Guys, can we do one last thing? Let's do a quick Eagles preview picks for Sunday. A little off topic. Oh, oh, okay. We'll take it off here a little bit. I mean, it is a playoff game, Eagles. The Bucks are favorite. I think they're an eight and a half point favorite. Eight and a half. Eight and a half, yeah. I'm going to throw bro. this out here, guys. The birds. The birds. They're going to lose. 24-20 Tampa. I think I'm, it's going it's gonna, to it's gonna be a game, though. But I'm going Brady. It's going to be 35-21 Tampa. But it's going to be really close until like midway through the third. And then the Bucks I'm are going to run away with it. But I think it's going to make them very nervous. There was a – I think it's on Caesars Sportsbook. Go to CrossingBroad.com and look for this. But I think it's on Caesars. There's a – an odds boost under Eagles to lead at halftime, but Buccaneers to win the game. That might be one worth looking at. 
Okay. I'll, I'm going to go Tampa 19 to 10, and I'm going low score because I don't know if you've looked at the weather. It's supposed to be thunderstorms and 30 mile per hour winds the entire game. So their passing is going to be really difficult. Yeah. Um, actually, kind of favors the Eagles probably yeah, because, the of, running because of the running game. Good, yeah. good run game. Because of the running game. But I don't think that e- I don't I don't think that either team's going to move the ball well, and I think it's going to be a very sloppy, sloppy game. But I'll take Tampa 19 to 10. Well, let's go Eagles anyway. Go birds. All right. Make go sure birds. you subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Snow the Goalie, at Anson Philly, at C Terry and Six, at Joanne Broad. You can find all the links in the description of this episode. We'll be back next week with another episode. You can watch this over on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel, youtube.com slash crossing broad. Thanks for listening. For Ant, for Bundy, I'm Russ. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.